Hello, I'm Pete Toriello. And I'm Maureen Toriello. And it's time once again for another Sonic Boomers podcast. Here come the helicopters. Yeah, you know why? I know why, but maybe you can tell our listeners why. This week on Sonic Boomers, we are talking about what has come to be known as helicopter parenting. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hold, hold, hold the helicopters, <laughs> hold the, guys. Hold the helicopters. Just to backtrack a little bit, last week's, last episode, we had a question in the trivia at the end of the show, and it was about uh, what TV personality in 1965 appeared on the cover of Esquire magazine wearing a Beatles wig. You correctly identified it as Ed Sullivan, much to my surprise. Mm -hmm. But the two of us were trying to picture what Ed Sullivan would look like with a Beatles wig, and we we had obviously had not seen the cover of the magazine. So, being the diligent person that I am, I went to the internet, and guess what I found? What did you find? I found a photo of that Esquire magazine cover that I'd like to share right now with uh, our okay. listeners, for our people on YouTube. Get the bonus. Whoa. Whoa. Scary dude. <laughs> move that in. You can move it. <laughs> his eyes get creepier as he yeah, gets closer do, to the they? camera. Ah, <laughs> it ah. kind of, it kind of is like those pictures where it looks like the eyes are always following you. Yes. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to share that those of you that are listening on the audio miss out. So listen to us on YouTube, and you'll get to see more. Then watch us on YouTube. That's too. what I meant yeah. to say. <laughs> listen and watch. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So this week we're talking about as as I was saying. Before I so rudely interrupted you. Well, I'm used to it by now. Uh, <laughs> helicopter parenting. So let's first of all, I kill the helicopter sound, but thank you. <laughs> let's take a look at an official definition of helicopter parenting, not something that that we came up that with. we came up with. And this definition comes to us from Amy Morin, who is a social worker. Mm -hmm. And the information is also backed up by uh, Dr. Louis T. Lockhart, okay. who is a uh, psych psychiatrist, or, okay, so psychologist. psychologist. And the definition is helicopter parents are parents who pay extremely close attention to their kids' activities and schoolwork in an effort to not only protect them from pain and disappointment, but to help them succeed. Helicopter parents are known to hover over their children and become overly involved in their lives. Meanwhile, popular media uses the phrase helicopter parent to describe parents who are overprotective of their children. The term was coined back in 1969. Isn't that surprising? Because I had never heard of it until fairly recently. Fairly recently. And it came out of a book entitled Between Parent and Teenager, the teenager who was featured in the book reported that his mother watched over him like a helicopter. And that's where the term came from. Now, what are the common characteristics of helicopter parenting? Well, I think mo most people would I immediately identify their overprotective tendencies as a general category. Uh, but sometimes it can be too limiting 
again, I think all of these things come out of a desire to be good parents and to be protective and to ensure the child's safety. But sometimes it goes astray and it goes too far. Sometimes it goes from infancy to college. College. Actually, I saw it more often when I worked in a college setting on the college thing. And I think that has to do with the fact that parents are letting go of their child for the first time when they're moving them into the dorm and they're going to be on their own. And I think that I saw it manifest more often on the college level even than on the elementary level. But, you know, regardless of when it takes place, uh, they tend to be overly involved in their kids' activities and their own lives become secondary. The parents are like, they live for their children. They, they often say, I have no life, you know. I have no money. I have, everything's for the kids. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of like where it, it ends up manifesting itself. Uh, they also have a tendency to overschedule their kids. Their kids are the ones that have, you know, lacrosse on one day, uh, gymnastics the next day, music lessons the third, dance on the fourth. You know, the kids have no free time. Right. And the play dates are orchestrated. Yes. I mean, even when, when you and I were youngsters and, you know, we, we would play with the dinosaurs. <laughs> and but, but we didn't call it a play date. Well, you know, no. I don't think that that term was used by, by your parents, my parents. You just went over to, to Somebody's Harvey's house. house or Billy or Steve's house and you hung out door. and you knocked on the door and said, hey, is Steve coming out? And yeah, I'll be right out. You'd get on your bikes and off you went. Right. Well, but I, I, I think that, the play date has become a necessity because parents are not always home. And so you have to schedule for a time when the parent is going to be home to supervise the kids or to, to know that the kids are even going to be home, that they're not at a babysitter's house or they're not at an activity. So, you know, the play date kind of grows out of that. Um, they, and they, they tend to, you know, want the kids to be safe is, is, is really what it's all about. I mean, it's, it's not a bad motivation. No, no. I'm sure that there are people listening and watching this show that are going to say, well, when you guys were in school, you know, you only had to worry about Jack the Ripper. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he was over in England. <laughs> yeah, he was over in England. Uh, they'll tell you that it's, it's a different world today, that it's, it's a crazier world. And, I, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Because when you and I were growing up, you didn't have the 24-7 news cycle. Mm -hmm. You didn't have information flash around the world, let alone your own neighborhood, as it does now in the digital age. So I'm wondering if things really are worse or, or is the reporting of it more immediate and it makes it seem worse? Yeah, I, I think that it's it definitely is... You know, the reporting has escalated it. YouTube viewers, feel free to comment below. <laughs> yes. But I think, um, you know, I, I, like, I remember a, a kid when I was young who uh, was on her way home from school and a car pulled up to the curb and tried to entice her into the, the car with candy. And she was educated by her parents no run, you don't ever get into somebody's car. She did the right thing. She ran to her home. Even if they say your mommy is sick and right, but, they you know, sent me to come for you. We rehearsed these things as yeah. kids. We learned what's a good answer, what what to be, don't believe this. We had code words. You know, if somebody says your mother sent me, oh, yeah, well, you know, 
what's the secret password? And if they didn't know it, you don't go with them. And, you know, uh, we, we had, we were, we were given skills, I think is, is what the difference lies in, in the ability to deal with the atrocities of the world is we were at an early age already being honed and given skills to deal with the mess that the world is. And I think that's different than what today's kids have. I could be wrong, but that's... Yeah, I mean, I remember being in high school. And we had friends in a adjoining housing development. Mm-hmm. And we would hop on our bike. And this was, you know, miles away. Right. We would hop on our bikes and we would go down the highway. We would ride the shoulder of Route 34. And we would go down the back way into Lake Ridge and hang out at, you know, with our friends. And, and my dad was nice enough that uh, at, when he got out of work, he would come around maybe six o'clock in the evening and he would drive out to Lake Ridge and pick us up and we would throw our bikes. Now see, that's helicoptering. In, in the, no. <laughs> sure. No. Because no, no, but nobody drove us to Lake Ridge. We got on our bikes and we went. Yeah, and you should have dro- biked your way back. And we did sometimes. Okay. But sometimes my, yeah. my dad would come and no, I mean, that, that, th- throw that the bikes nice. in the that car nice and, of him, and drive us home. But I'm just saying, you know, this is the, you, you're once again, spoiled little Petey. <laughs> I would not have been able, nobody would have come and picked me up no matter what. They didn't have a car. They didn't have the ability. Uh, if we were going to go somewhere and we needed to be back home by 6 o'clock, we made damn sure we were back home by 6 o'clock. And we, we knew how much time it was going to take us, and we, yeah. made, we left in time. And if we were going to be late, we called first. I mean, these are the skills that we learned early on and the accountability that we had to our parents that made it safe for everybody that but we it, don't have now. But it, it was a, a different time. It was a different time, but I, like you said, I don't know how it, different. We it, don't how know different. how different it was. I mean, I think there's a lot Is more the violence. the perception different? Yeah, I think there's a lot more violence, and I think that the things that do happen are are happen on a grander scale and worse. I mean, I can remember like a kid being kidnapped would maybe not necessarily be murdered and harmed. They might be taken away. There might be a ransom. They might have been horribly abused or something, yeah. but you know they weren't necessarily their body was not necessarily found chopped up in the woods. Yeah, yeah. my mom and dad were like, "Oh, damn, he's back." <laughs> no, <laughs> would have been the it was like the ransom of Red Chief. Yeah. They'll kidnap Petey, but they'll bring him back after about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but the good thing about helicopter parenting and the characteristics, and is, there are a lot of good things and there are, about it, is that you know. If your kid's a helicopter parent, I'm mean, a helicopter kid, yeah. chances are they're going to arrive at their activities on time. They're going to be prepared for school. They're going to have their homework done. And they're going to be prepared for their activities. They're going to show up to soccer practice with their cleats and their ball and their uniform intact and they have all the pieces in, that they need. They're going to come to music lessons and they're going to have practiced and they're going to be prepared for the lesson. These are good things that happen when they are helicoptered. If the kid is not doing well in school, then the, the parent is the on parent top of it. The parent will be on top of it, right. And they will, they will know, and you know they'll be in there 
seeing what they can do to help the kid get better grades, sometimes to the point of, you know, confronting the teacher and, and being like uh, kind of uh, an advocate for their child, yeah. but maybe overly so, uh, you know, to, to make sure that the kid gets a good grade. Yeah. But we want to make sure that the kid gets a good grade or the kid gets into the school of their choice mm -hmm. when they are young adults on their own merits, not because mom, as we found out in a couple of cases recently, where celebrities were paying universities yes. to get their kids in because their kid couldn't make the grade. Yes. That's a disservice to the kid, I think. It certainly is. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, but that's been done by even non-celebrities. People, big endowments are given to colleges all the time. Yeah. Buildings are named after family members or, uh, you know, high-end donors. And their kids and their grandkids are all perpetually. Perpetuity is what yeah. I was trying to say. Uh, we'll get into that college and probably get a free ride. Yeah, yeah. And it only cost $3 million yeah, well, donation. Look, look at the, the university that you and I went to had buildings that were named after guys that became convicted felons <laughs> eventually, and they, they had to change the name yeah. on, on two of the buildings that, 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 that I can think of. Hey, stuff happens, you know. <laughs> so remember, they called me one, one time, you know, trying to get me to pledge money, and I said, mm -hmm. what, did you run out of convicted felons? To <laughs> yeah. But they did correct it. We yes, have to say yes, that. They, yes. they did correct it, so... So, uh, you know, and the, you know, the, the parents will also step in when the kid's being bullied or when yeah. the kid's having mental anxiety or, um, you know, that kind of thing, uh, health concerns. They make sure that these issues are addressed and that, that's, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, they're also probably the ones that are going to be running the PTA. They're probably your scout leaders. They're probably your kid's soccer coach, your baseball coach, uh, you know, the youth the minister in your parish, uh, the, these are the kind of parents that, uh, the kind of jobs that they take on as volunteers to ease the path for their children as helicopters. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a good to it and there's, and there's a, a drawback. Mm -hmm. And some of the drawbacks, according to the professionals, one of the drawbacks is when a child is, overly parented they don't develop problem solving skills and as i understand it the process of learning is basically based upon repetition and there are three basic steps to learning the first one is watch me do it then you do it with me now you do it yourself and if that does not work the first time around, you apply it again yeah. and again and again until that whatever it is they need to learn is mastered. Right. You don't do it for your kid in perpetuity. Right. <laughs> you had to use that word just to rub it in, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I, I do. And I think that kind of goes back to the, my thing is that it was more important to our parents to teach us skills. Yeah. 
and life skills and coping skills than to be the lawnmower and the helicopter that moves everything out of our way. They had the foresight and the smartness to know that we were going to need to be able to function on our own someday, that they were not going to be around forever. Right. So what are, what do we need to teach our child to be able to be independent in the world? And I think that's a different outlook than what we have now. When you have, Whether you have a, a five-year-old kid who needs to learn how to sound out words or a 25-year-old who can't find a job, kids need to know how to solve their own problems. And hovering parents will often intervene at the first sign of trouble and so the kid doesn't learn a problem-solving skill. You know, an example is no parent likes to see their kid get knocked on their ass at, at the playground. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that I got knocked on mine <laughs> a, a couple of times. Going to the playground and not paying attention to what was going on around me and walking behind the swings where other kids were swinging back and forth and I got knocked over. And there are parents who will, again, thinking that they're doing good, will rush in there and grab the kid and risk getting knocked over themselves. And I submit that if the kid gets knocked over, and I think most of the time they don't get hurt. They don't. I, I never in all my time as, as, as a kid hanging out at the playground, I never saw anybody hurt badly. Yeah, an occasional skinned knee or a cut or something or but nobody ever broke anything nobody ever got lacerated no you know nobody went to the hospital no concussions no concussions <laughs> well on the one day that tommy brennan hit me in the head with a brick when i was a kid which probably explains a lot <laughs> and i don't know why he did it. he just we were we were building a fort yeah and he picked up a brick and he slammed it over my head i, I don't know how he didn't kill me yeah yeah I hope he's dead now, okay? <laughs> Tommy Brown, I hope you're well. Of course, if he's dead, he's not going to hear me, is he? Uh, All right. I'll never, never forget that. So, so this is how kids learn, though. Kids learn by making mistakes. Whether it's a mathematical equation or walking behind the swings in the schoolyard, they learn by experience. And sometimes you learn by the negative. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that when you're, you're constantly swooping in, to intervene, you do a disservice to the kid. Yeah, I think and the professionals I, say that. Right. They, they, they I mean, the, the, the goal of, of parenting, and we parents don't like to think of this, is that we need to make ourselves obsolescent, that they don't need us. We need to grow kids that do not need to be parented after a while. Yeah, we want our job to become obsolete. Right. As, but you know what? Your job never becomes... And this is something that... And you know Oh, me. I know this. When, I know where he's going When our daughter was getting married, I was so upset. I don't know if I was brokenhearted. I was upset because she's daddy's girl. And then again, I love all three of my kids. If you guys are listening... I love all three of you, but there is something between daddies and daughters and moms and sons. I think that is, that is special in that relationship. And when my daughter got married, I was like, I thought I was done. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, P. 
Pete's getting kicked to the wayside now. It's, you know, I've done my job and I've passed the torch and all that stuff. But what I found was that I'm still a parent, but my job changes. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not providing for her. I'm not taking care of her. I'm not rushing in to, to fix, although I still try to <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but now you become a friend, an advisor, a confidant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they seek out, they, the kids eventually do realize that we parents do have we, some wisdom. Yeah, that we did know what we were talking about. <laughs> that we about. did know what we were talking about. Uh, and, and, and they come to you and they say, what do you think I should do about this, that, or the right. other thing? So I, I did discover that the job doesn't go away. It just changes. Right, right. But, uh, you know, but that, that's the goal, though, is that, it, that you can get to that you point. You can get to that, that point. That the kid doesn't, isn't now 33 years and old. depending upon still you. Still living at home, you know, relying on you to provide for their every need. And, you know, they can't hold a job. They don't, they don't know what to do with themselves. There's, you know, there's a difference Yeah, there. one of these days you're, you know... If, if something should happen to you, mm-hmm. and let's face it, we're all going to cross that bridge one of these days where we're not here a anymore. One. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, uh, your kid isn't going to know, as my, as my dad used to say, not going to know whether to shit or wind his watch, you know, <laughs> yeah. when, when you're not around anymore. So uh, there are definitely pros and cons to this. And, they, and kids, too, are, if they're so used to mommy and daddy going in and advocating for them and dealing with the bullies and dealing with, you know, uh, maybe a teacher that, that they don't like or whatever. They never learn to advocate for themselves. They never learn to say, to like say a teacher, wait a minute, I didn't get that. I don't yeah. understand that. Could you explain that again? Uh, you know, I got this answer in math and, and I don't know, I think I thought I did it right. Where did I go wrong? They need to be able to f- to formulate those kind of questions and to advocate for their own on their own behalf. Or you're in the workplace, you're 30 years old, and you have a boss who is a bully. Mm-hmm. And Lord knows there are bosses oh, like that out are. there. You know, we've, known- <laughs> we've all worked for a few of them over the years. Uh, you can't call mommy. Mm-hmm. You can't call dad and say, the boss is being mean to me. Yeah, You know, you can't do it. Well, I remember you had an employee whose mom was overly involved. Oh, my God. And they called oh you my because God. you had the audacity to schedule their kid on, to work on like, New, New Year's, Year's Eve. Eve. Oh, my God. Oh, and yeah. the mom and the, the kid was OK with it. I mean, I'm saying kid. It was a grown man. He was a, like a 38 year old man. And, you know, and. The guy worked part-time, and that's what happens. When you work part-time, you don't get the prime shifts. This was a shift that he agreed to, he, yeah. was, he was scheduled for, and Mommy wanted him home she, on New Year's, she and she called you called up and called me, you out. He, he called me first, and, and this is the night that he was supposed to work. Right. And he calls me, he says, I'm not coming in. And I'm like, what? what? I'm not coming in. Why, are you sick? No, my mom doesn't want me to come in. And I'm like, now I'm like, in what universe am I here? <laughs> I have a 38-year-old man calling me to tell me that mom doesn't want me. I said, no, you get yourself in here. Okay. And he hangs up. Five minutes later, the phone rings. It's his mother. And she is screaming at me, screaming at me. And, I, and the, the guy didn't come in. Thank God. 
I, I, I called another one of our part-timers mm-hmm. who was actually planning on having dinner with his wife at their favorite restaurant. And I called him and I said, you're my last hope. I can't reach anybody. And he was nice enough to come in mm-hmm. and fill the guy's shift. And, and I, I made sure that we, we got him and his wife a night out at, at our expense yeah. for being nice enough to come in. But I couldn't believe that a, a guy in his, in his late 30s, his mom would call and yell at me yeah. for scheduling her, see, that, her son to that, work on that's New the, Year's Eve. That's the future when you helicopter parent to an excessive amount. Like we, like I said, we've 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 all we've said there's good and there's bad, but when it gets excessive, this is the outcome. Yeah, you've got a 38 year old man who can't function. Yeah, you know, and and it's sad. It's really yeah. sad. And his parents both eventually passed away, mm-hmm. and it affected him in a very profound manner. That it was extremely difficult for him to function after their passing. I'm sure it did. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, kids. I guess this kind of harkens back to your example about the the playground. Kids need to learn natural consequences and that their actions have consequences. And they don't learn that when somebody comes in and alleviates all the the problems. If you touch a hot stove, you're you're going to get burned. It's going to be very unpleasant. And you can't constantly be watching over your kid and make sure that they don't touch anything hot, that they're not going to fall, that they're not... Yeah, there, there's there's a time when you kind of have to let go a little yeah, bit. A little bit, yeah. As long as it's not something you know that's going to be like cause their death or yeah. you know, a major like episode where they're in the hospital or something. You, you kind of have to let them go. So it wasn't bit. good when my mother told me to run between the cars on the highway. <laughs> it wasn't good. No. <laughs> <laughs> and in and in the end, you know, if they're if you're always in the kid's face and always in their life and always hovering. There's a tipping point where eventually it gets to the point where it can damage your relationship with the child, where they suddenly feel like, you know what? You're always in my face. You don't let me do anything. You know, they, they resent, they the, resent control. the control. Yeah. And now they don't want to turn to you if they have a problem or anything, because you're, you're like, it's too much. It's just too much for them. And in the end, what turned out, what you thought was going to be a good thing can wind up backfiring. How do you think, I mean, you and I were not helicopter parented because this started in roughly 69. Mm -hmm. By that time, you and I were off to high school and our parents were not hovering over us all the time. Uh, How do you think we were raising our three kids who obviously were all adults now? Do you think that we helicoptered them, or do you think that we were just the right amount? I'd like to think we were just the right amount. Um, you know, we we had to allow a certain amount of freedom, but I, I think... And uh, we raised our kids in an urban neighborhood. Yes. Which had, unfortunately, had a reputation for a lot of crime. Right. But, uh, you know, again, I'd like to think that we... We taught them well. We taught them, you know, the stranger danger. Be streetwise. Be streetwise. Um, and, you know, at the time when our oldest two were young, we knew a lot of the neighbors. And I, we all looked out for each other's kids. Not to the point of, of being obtrusive, but I can remember the one day 
her neighbor around the corner, Noelle, would say, came to me and said, I hope you don't mind, but I yelled at Sean because he stepped off the curb and he walked up, nearly got hit by a car. He walked right right across into the yeah. traffic. And I'm like, no, I'm glad you did. And we had that kind of a understanding amongst the parents in the neighborhood that all the kids were our kids. Yeah. And you, yeah. you, you, know, you looked out for them, but you didn't get overly involved unless it was something dangerous, you right. know? Yeah, I think... I think we walked the line pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd love to hear what our kids have to say, <laughs> but I, I, I think so. Um, it's and it's, in some degrees, I maybe fulfilled the uh, helicopter nation away because I had to be the Girl Scout leader and the den mother, yeah. and I volunteered at the PTA. But it wasn't so much out of their safety. It was I felt like I was setting a good example of volunteerism. You have skills. You should share them. These are good organizations. They develop things in children that are good uh, by fundraising for your school, it allows you to get computers in your classroom and to get better books and to, you know, go on field trips. And I, I felt like I was setting a good example. I don't, I didn't do it to helicopter. Yeah. Well, you always said you wanted to be the mom that you did. That have. I wish I had. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, my mom was very hands off. Yeah. And, you know, I, there are good things about that too, because I did learn certain skills at a very young age. I was able to navigate buses and trains and read bus schedules and do things like that that I would not have known. But at times I felt a little bit abandoned and a little bit uneasy, and I would have liked my mom to be the scout leader and to be the yeah. the, the mom that the, the teachers knew and that was in the building and, you know, that, that had some respect from, from the authorities. So that is our take on uh, helicopter parenting. Again, we are... We're not pro, we're not con. We think that the best thing as a parent, speaking from our perspective, is a good balance Mm -hmm. of the two. And uh, as Maureen and I always like to say on this show, you do you. Mm -hmm. You you do what you think works for you and and your family. But uh, we just wanted to present some of the pros and cons. Again, comment down below, please. And... uh, Share to show us that you care. Oh, that's cute. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And, of course, watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. That's right. Cling the, ring the bell, you know. You can write to us, too. Give the thumbs up. <laughs> thesonicboomers at AOL.com is our email address. Thesonicboomers at AOL.com. And, of course, that little sounder means that it's time for our Baby Boomer Trivia Quiz. Yes. Okay. All right. So who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. And I, th- I think you're going to get this. All right. Let me just double check. Yes, I, I, think, I think you'll get this. What TV couples had an Italian neighbor named Mrs. Manicotti? Oh, I think I know this. Your answer, please. Uh, the Honeymooners, uh, the Nortons and the uh, Jackie Gleason's. Uh, the Nortons and the? Cramdens. Cramdens, <laughs> right. That is correct. All right. I, I, I can hear Jackie Gleason. Mrs. Mandicotti. <laughs> yeah. Okay, got one for me? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. This is in the news category. Mm-hmm. 
How many manned Russian space missions returned to Earth on June 19, 1963? Is this a trick question? I don't think so. Okay. How many manned Russian? Russian space missions returned on Earth on the same day, June 19, 1963. Well, I don't have a clue. I'm going to say two. That's correct. Wow, and that was just a throwing it out there. I, I had no clue. Uh, I I don't know ex- for a fact. I suspect it may have been the first time that the two rockets um, met, you know, hooked up to each other in space and connected, and then they disconnected and came back. They were testing, you know, uh, what it was going to future. Uh, things for like hooking up to a space station or if they had to go out and rescue another rocket i think it was two rockets that connected and disconnected hmm. and then came back down but well, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure well, good that. for us you got one right and i got one right <laughs> all right that's a good way to end the show join us again next time soon for another edition of the sonic boomers podcast i'm pete toriello and i'm maureen toriello and now go out yourselves and make, make some, some noise, noise.